we will read a few verses and, and then we'll look at the rest of the chapter in a few moments. Let's read Revelation chapter 5, beginning to read at verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? For no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this most wonderful and blessed portion of Scripture, even at the reading, Father, in public of your word, it does something to our heart. It does something to the spirit. It does something to the redeemed of the Lord. Father, it causes our minds, Lord, to explode with even sanctified imagination according to thy word of what you have accomplished and all that your Son has done for us. Father, tonight, the people that have come from maybe near and far to this place through cold and through ice and through fog, we pray that you would bless them. We thank you for their safe journeying here. And so, Father, we pray tonight, as Lord, for these next few moments as we bring your word, Lord, that you've laid on our heart to the people. And pray you'd use my lips. And Lord, you'd use my vocal cords and you would use me for your glory. And for your honor. May the spirit of the living God. Move as it's already been prayed. In every car upon every heart. And every mind and home. Represented. Father we pray that Christ alone. Would be seen exalted and glorified. In this drive in service. And for those watching online. May they receive their portion of the blessing. And Father we'll always give you the praise. The honor and the glory. Even as we've read in the scriptures. For Lord Jesus thy alone art worthy. And it's in your name we come, pray, and ask it. Amen. Revelation chapter 5 takes us into heaven. It takes us to the throne room of God. It takes us to a place that our minds can't even think or compute in its fullness what God hath prepared 
for those that love him. It takes us and causes us to rejoice that this earth and all that we see today is not the finished product. And you and I are not the final product of all that has happened on the cross of Calvary. Yet what he has done, yet what Christ has accomplished, and our redemption through his blood, it was final, it was full, and it is finished. Notice here in Revelation chapter 5, John notices that there's a throne and there's a book with seals on the book. Now we don't want to look too much at this book, but rather we want to see that there's a strong angel. Note, not just any angel, but a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Notice the terminology, a strong angel and a loud voice. Who is worthy, cries the angel. Notice and take note, this is in heaven. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? I think of what the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ tells us about the elders and about the beasts and about the angels and the seraphim and the cherubim. Right through scripture we read of these fantastic created beings. And now a strong angel, not just any angel, but a strong angel with a loud voice is crying throughout the halls of heaven, throughout the realms of glory, who is worthy? Who is worthy? And note this in verse 3. No man in heaven, note, or in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Not only were they not able to open it, they weren't worthy to do so, but neither were they able to look upon it. And such there was none in heaven, nor on the earth, nor under the earth. Now take note, because we're told in heaven there are no tears. Now we must remember that this is a vision. This is not an actual man in heaven called John, but rather he's caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day. And this is a vision, nevertheless. Note this in verse 4, John says, And I wept much. Here, as it were, is tears in heaven or off this heavenly vision. John cries, And I wept much because no man was found worthy. Every time we're reading the word worthy in the scripture here, it is the word axios, axios. And it gives the idea of something having weight. The same amount of weight that's valued on another side of a scale. In other words, the seals in this book, the value of the word of the book, who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the seals and to look on it or to open it and even to read from it? Who has the same weight of value as the word of God in the book. And suddenly, as John is crying, as quick as he is weeping, 
we're found that there is a voice comes to him and it's one of the elders. Note here, it isn't one of the angels for an angel cannot understand the things of redemption in its fullness. But here it is one of the elders in the vision. John maybe sees a prophet. Maybe it's a patriarch. We're not told, but it's an elder. And along this elder comes, and as soon as the weeping starts, here we find John says, And one of the elders said unto me, Notice the language of heaven. Weep not. Weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David hath prevailed. In other words, what he's saying is, Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lord Jesus Christ is the root of David. And he hath prevailed. Christ hath prevailed over sin. Christ hath prevailed over the grave. Christ hath prevailed over the devil called Satan. Christ hath prevailed over death itself. And Christ hath prevailed over all. And he's saying he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, of the root of David. He hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. What is in this book but the word of God? What is in under this seal cover but the word of God? And who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He is none other but the word of God made flesh. He comes and he alone hath prevailed and is able to open the book and to read thereof. Now I note this. John is told, Behold the lion. Notice, Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. Notice, look at the lion he sang. Look, John, for the lion of the tribe of Judah. Notice verse 6 though. And I beheld. Notice, behold the lion. John says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. John's told to behold the lion. But when John looks, he says, I beheld a lamb. Here John sees the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Here John sees the Lamb of God, the propitiation of our sin. Here John sees the Lamb of God who shed his blood to redeem us. John doesn't see a lion. He sees a lamb. You see, friend, when heaven looks at the Lord Jesus Christ, when the angels fold their wings in his presence and cry holy unto him, when heaven and the elders and the beasts and all surround him in glory, they behold him as a lion. They see him as the one who stepped from the realms of glory to the sin-sick and a sin-cursed world, this planet called earth, setting foot on terra firma 
as the word of the Father made flesh, the Son of God and the Son of Man. And they behold him growing up as a root out of a dry ground and as a tender plant before his father. And they see him growing into a man, baptized by John the Baptist in the river Jordan. And they watch him preaching the kingdom of God, teaching in the synagogues and crying out over Jerusalem. They see him taken, stripped naked, And they see him taken by wicked hands and crucified. They see him malhandled. They see him beaten and battered and bloodied and bruised. And they see him yielding up the ghost, leaning his head and bowing it on a pulseless breast. And they behold him, the Son of God, being laid in a tomb. And the stone being rolled over the mouth of the tomb. And a seal fixed upon it. And there he lay until the third day. And they beheld him that up from the grave he arose. With a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with the saints to reign. They behold him as a lion a prevailing champion in heaven. They behold him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. But I can tell you, friend, when John looked at him in heaven, he beheld him as a lamb. He beheld him as the sin bearer. He beheld him as the substitute which heaven had sent, which the Father had given on our behalf. And so he sees him as a lamb. Friend, I can tell you, if you're to be in God's heaven, if you're to be in God's glory, if you're to be there, friend, you must see him as the lamb of God before he returns as the lion of the tribe of Judah. You have to see him and believe in him and all that he has done at Calvary when he shed his blood You must see him as the Lamb of God who bore away your sin and paid your penalty in its fullness and totality. And there you must see what heaven seen. You must see him risen on the third day and believe with all your heart that Christ is Lord indeed if you are to be saved tonight. Friend, do you believe? Have you received? Do you know him as your Lord and as your own personal Savior? John, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I beheld, he says, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, note, as it had been slain. As it had been slain. Here's something I want you to note that John writes for us. The lamb had been. Past tense. Now the lamb is standing. The lamb is in the midst of the elders. The lamb is in the midst of the beast. He takes the central part. He is the focus of heaven. He is 
the linchpin of eternity. He is the only one, friend, that all the eyes must be upon. The Lamb of the tribe of Judah is the Lion, and the Lion is the Lamb of God. Friend, heaven surrounds him, and Christ must have the preeminence. He must have the preeminence in the preaching of the word. Christ must have the preeminence in the prayer life of the believer. Christ must have the preeminence in the service of the saint. Christ must have the preeminence in the life and the family life of every disciple. Christ must have the preeminence for he alone is the prevailing Christ and he alone is the one who went all the way to bear our sin and shed his blood on Calvary's cross. There now from the cross on the earth he is now ascended and glorified in heaven again. And he is the prevailing Christ. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the root of David. And he hath the preeminence in all of heaven. He must have the preeminence. Note this, friend. The lamb had been slain. Note this tells me. It goes to show me that Christ first of all, has been raised from the dead. Speaks of resurrection. He had been slain, but this lamb is alive. And secondly, this goes to show me, the only man-made thing that's in heaven are the wounds of Christ. The only man-made thing in heaven are the wounds of Christ. And your man-made religion or man-made ideology or man-made works will not count as a row of beans in that day. For here the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and of the root of David, hath prevailed. And the Father will accept nothing else but the blood of the Lamb. Note here, friend. Note here. Thou art worthy in the previous chapter, chapter 4, we find in verse 11 it says the same words. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive. Notice, he alone art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. See the term thou art worthy and the word Worthy in verse 4 of Revelation 5. We find that term, thou art worthy, in verse 9. Note Revelation 5 and verse 9. Thou art worthy to take the book. Well, the term thou art worthy that is in verses 4 and, pardon me, chapter 4 and verse 11 and chapter 5 and verse 9. Do you know the words vere dignus? are the Latin words that were used for Roman emperors on the earth. When they were coming to visit, they had pomp, and they had a fanfare which went before them, and they were telling all the people of that town, of that region, of that area, the Roman emperor is coming. He calls himself God on the earth. 
he classes himself as the God on the earth. And they would have said that when he comes, you are to cry, Vire dignus. You know what it means? Thou art worthy. It means thou art worthy. And they had the people lying the streets. They had the people gather round. And as the Roman emperor came in, they were to cry, Vireth dignus, Vireth dignus, thou art worthy, thou art worthy, thou art worthy. You see, friend, he is the God of the earth, as it were. He classed himself as that. And friend, I can tell you, in heaven no man was found worthy. In the heaven, nor on the earth, nor under the earth. This is what John is saying. And listen, John is writing this from the Isle of Patmos. This barren, rugged prison isle. And he's writing this because he's been placed here, here by the Roman emperor Domitian, who wanted him out of the way. John would proclaim Christ as God over all. And of course, that was worthy of death. And so we find the apostles died because of this. You know another term, another title they had? Pontifex Maximus, the bridge builder. They classed themselves as a bridge builder between themselves or this earth and their afterlife. That's what the Roman Caesars classed themselves and called themselves, the Pontifex Maximus. We can see it today in the Church of Rome. But friend, I can tell you, this scripture tells me, for there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And that's what the Word of God says. And there's none worthy when the strong angel cried with a loud voice. Who is worthy? None in heaven, none on earth, nor under the earth. You know what that tells me as well? It tells me that the Lord Jesus, he is the king over all. For he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He is the lamb that was slain, now risen and ascended into glory. And all of heaven are crying, not in the Latin but in the language of heaven and of the angels, they're crying, Thou art worthy, Jesus. Thou art worthy, Lord Jesus. Thou alone art worthy. I can tell you, friend, if you think for one moment, if any of us thinks that any of us are worthy of glory on our own merit, on our own deeds, in our own works, through our own ways, in our denominations, or whatever it may be, whatever side or religion you may come from, friend, if you think you're made worthy by it, you're drastically and terribly mistaken. For Christ is worthy, and Christ alone can bring you to glory. Notice what he says. And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Notice here. Now we're seeing the deity of Christ. Now we're seeing the Godhead of Christ. Note here what it says. Seven horns. Horns speaks of power and authority in Scripture. So here we have seven is the number of perfection and completion. Note here, seven horns speaks of fullness of strength, omnipotent power. He is the omnipotent God, the omnipotence of Christ. Seven eyes speaks of 
God able to see all things in perfection. Here we have the omniscience of Christ, all-seeing and the all-knowing Christ. And the seven spirits, not that there are seven Holy Spirits. God is a spirit. And there's one Holy Spirit. Note this here. The seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth speaks of the omnipresence of God. So here we have the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, having the preeminence, He who hath prevailed over all things. We find Him in the middle of heaven, at the center of the worship. And now we see he is all things that we need. Verse 7 says these words, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, the four and twenty elders, fell down before the Lamb. Note, he takes worship. Christ takes worship. People say Christ, the man Christ Jesus isn't God, is he not? In heaven, he's taken the worship of heaven. Note this. Having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints, representing, sister, every time you've cried, every time you've, you've prayed unto him and cried unto him, time and time again for children, for loved ones, for family, for circumstance, for situation. And every time you've raised your voice and gone on your knees and you've pleaded with the Lord and you think you're not being heard, your prayers are gathered as it were into a vial and into a bowl and released into heaven where the worship of the angels are and the beasts and the elders around the Lamb of God. Friend, I can tell you, keep praying. Praying is the vehicle that moves the hand that holds the world. I'm going to say it again for you. Keep praying. Prayer is the vehicle that moves the hand that holds the world. There's power in prayer. More prayer. More power. Less prayer. Less power. No prayer. No power. Don't be through praying, friend. But rather, sister, rather, brother, pray through it. Don't be through praying, but pray through it, whatever the circumstance or whatever the situation is. Now take note of this. In verse 9, we learn a lovely song. And they sung a new song. Can't wait. I can't wait to sing it. I can't wait to see his face. I can't wait to love him in person. I can't wait. To be in the throng of glory among the redeemed of the Lord. To sing this unto Christ. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy. Here it is again. Thou art worthy. And hast opened the seals thereof. Now note this. Note this. First of all, it says, For thou wast slain. Notice, thou was slain. The honor of this song here we find is the work of redemption. The honor he's given is thy was slain, showing the work of redemption. The wounds of Christ in this lamb. The wounds in his hands and the wounds in his feet. The wounded 
riven side and the riven backbloused whippings that he had taken. The crown of thorns that bled from the Saviour's lovely brow. And there he, he stands in glory as a lamb as it had been slain. And they're saying, you have the honor in this song because of the work of our redemption. Your work, Lord Jesus. Secondly and quickly, for thou wast slain, here's number two, in the song and hast redeemed us to God. Notice, thou hast redeemed us to God. Here we find that they're saying, you have completed the work. The honor is in the perfection of what you have done. You have redeemed us. Thou hast shed your blood. You have paid our debt. You have paid the price. You have, for you alone are worthy. And only your blood was able to pay the immensity of the debt of our sin. This is the song of the redeemed in heaven. Notice this again. Thou hast redeemed us to God. Here he's, we're singing now, or they're singing, we will sing, of the honor of the song. As he has, we will give him honor because he has brought us to the designer of our redemption way in eternity past before there was a sinner on the earth in our father Adam. There was a savior in heaven in Christ. And he said, here we're singing, Lord, you have designed our redemption in eternity. You have redeemed us unto God. Notice, fourthly, you have redeemed us to God by thy blood. Here is the payment. The honor of the song is the payment for our sin or the price of our sin. What was the price? It was the blood of Christ. What was the price for you to be in this throng? It was the blood of Christ. What was the price for me to be saved? The blood of Christ. You see, what shall a profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing we can give but rely completely on the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, thou, thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Here this song is honoring Christ because of the election of the redemption. That God knew a sinner like me. That God knew a sinner like you. And yet he loved us. And yet in eternity he knew us. And yet he had chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Here we find he receives the honor because the Father gave him to pay our fullness of debt. So that was fifthly, sixthly. We look at it quickly. The honor in this song is the power of redemption. Notice 
and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. Christ just doesn't save you and you try your best. Christ changes you from the inside out. He gives you a new desire. He gives you a new life. He forgives you of your past. You know, friend, the scriptures tell me, and tell us that now therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And he changes the man and the woman from the inside to the out. And though he keeps us in the way, preserves us, and he seals us with his Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. You might be saying, I can't do this. If I give my life to Jesus, I can't keep it. You're right, you can't. You'll fail a million times. You'll let him down a million times. But I can tell you, his love will never fail you. And I can tell you, his grace abounds over all of our repentant sin. I can tell you, friend, that you will never keep it. But he is able to cause you to persevere to the end until he returns. Notice here, and has made us unto our God, kings and priests. This is the power. We give him honor in this song for the power of the redemption that he has given us. Lastly and finally, number seven. And thou hast made us unto our God, kings and priests. And I love this. And we shall reign on the earth. We are going to reign with Christ when he returns on the earth. And we shall reign on the earth. We will sing this song in honor as a result of Christ's glory and the result of his redemptive work. Friend, I can tell you, if you're not saved tonight, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can give that you will enter this heaven, nor you will be in his glory, nor his kingdom reign on the earth if you're not saved by the precious blood of Christ. So I ask you as I close this message, have you beheld the Lamb of God? May the Holy Ghost help you to behold him as the Lamb who bore away your sin in Calvary as your only means and method of payment, the blood of Christ, if this is the honor of Christ, the preeminence of Christ, because he's the prevailing Christ, if he takes central position and possession of heaven, friend, and he has died for you, imagine you coming with your, your works and your alms and your deeds and your good living, Imagine coming with your denomination or your confirmation, your institution or whatever. Imagine coming to the Father and offering it after all of that he has done for you. Friend, when he, when he calls you before him, the only thing that he will acknowledge of you is to see the blood of Christ upon you. To see the trustworthiness of the blood in you. And the only thing he will accept is that you have come to know 
into a saving faith and into a relationship with Christ. Friend, he hath called us out of all of these nations to gather together his own because Christ is coming again to rule and reign on the earth. Are you ready? Christian, how's your love life? Christian, how's your love life? How's your love life with Christ? Do you love him? Do you passionately love the Savior? Does his word burn in your breast? Does his spirit move your heart? And are you in love with the Savior who redeemed you with his precious blood? And now you're justified and living in his grace. Maybe there's one who's went cold in heart and walked away from God. Friend, when you come home, when you return to the Lord that bought you, and when you repent of your sin and be welcomed back into the fold tonight. Friend, it's cold. It's minus whatever I don't know I'm getting. Two, three maybe, I don't know. It's foggy, but Christ is still here. In the darkness that we see, the darkness of the night, and the dimness of the fog, is just like light to him. And he sees your heart. Doesn't matter how we hide, or how we try to cover it. He knows the innermost being of every man and woman. He's paid the debt. Listen, I say this with reverence. And respect to my Lord, my God, my Redeemer, my King, my Master, my Savior. I say it with the fullness of reverence to Him. There's nothing more God can do to save you. Because He's done it all. And He's done all you need. Will you come? Be in the throng to sing the songs of Zion unto our King. Come. Come to Christ. There's none worthy in heaven, nor on earth, nor under the earth. Listen to Philippians 2, 9 and 11. And I definitely finish with this. Listen to this. Wherefore, God hath also highly exalted him, given him the name which is above every other name. Now listen, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should buy of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. None were they, none in heaven, earth, or under. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May God bless you tonight. May God bless your faithfulness. May God bless your heart for coming out in such a night.